This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On The Bench. I am your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by a full bench. Hail, hail. The gang is all here. Starting off, coming in with a nice, fresh new haircut. Standing at about five foot eleven, maybe hundred seventy pounds. Josh Newberg, welcome. Josh. I'm here. I'm I'm five ten. If you like did the NFL draft and had me in socks, duck footed to get my true height, I'd be a, a solid five ten. Right but I did it. what I did what the college teams do, which I gave you an extra inch. And I so appreciate you're, that. You're welcome. <laughs> if we all got an extra inch in life. Next up, the grind man himself. Also known as Animal, Christopher Nee. Chris, welcome. Good morning. Mm. And then finally, the rookie, the newcomer, Zach Blostein. Hello, Zach. Hello. I'll never start a podcast off like this again, guys. Don't worry. It's just a one and done. So we got, a, we got everyone here. Everyone ripping and raring and ready to go for. Ripping the, my warm-ups know, off right now ooh, ooh. yeah i got the stripper pants going on um so we got a couple things to go over here today nothing pressing but i, I think topics that people are going to oh want to know about which is hence why we're doing a podcast so let's start off with i, I guess i'm gonna say this could be potentially polarizing but josh i want you to walk us through this because you, you've really delved into this and uh, kind of taken on this lane of talking about nil uh you've done a lot of research into it if I had to guess, like anyone on this beat who is going to throw themselves into NIL game, it would not have been you, but here we are. So let's get into it, where FSU stands. And maybe before we get into like what's happening with it, uh, why is Florida considered behind in NIL mm-hmm. when it was once considered ahead? Like what, what's what's happening and why has it gotten to this point? Yeah, it's funny. I kind of do find myself right in the middle of it as I do various topics, but for the first time ever, I'm... I'm off the field and I'm in almost a political venue here, but it's not political because there's people on all sides of this that agree, disagree. There's Republicans that disagree with each other. There's Democrats that disagree with each other. I don't think this is a political uh, situation at all. Um, What happened was Florida passed a bill before the NCAA suspended its rules on NIL, meaning that Florida now has more restrictions in place than other states. So the restrictive bill put in-state schools and athletes at a national disadvantage because it prevents schools, the schools that you know they represent, from facilitating deals for athletes. So what does that mean for, for the students that we cover? Well, for a prospect or a player like Dylan Gibbons, He's done a lot of great and great good with his NIL money. Um, he's teamed up with GoFundMe. We all know about his initiatives about Timothy Detali, uh, the the gift giveaway that he did with Jordan Travis. He's done numerous things to help the Tallahassee community. However, everything that he does has to be completely separate from the school. 
the coaches, they can't even retweet the things that Dylan Gibbons is doing because of the in, in-state NIL bill. Um, the school, they cannot provide Dylan Gibbons with any resources. They can't allow They can't broadcast it. They can't help him in any way. They almost have to act like it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why is because Florida tried to get ahead and pass a bill, but as happens with politics, it got stepped on and things happened to it that were unintended. And now Florida has a restrictive NIL bill that has been passed, whereas other teams in other states have nothing and they don't have to abide by these rules. So p- part of this, from my understanding, Josh, is yeah, Florida tried to get ahead of it. Georgia also tried to get ahead of it and had some sort of legislation, which initially was considered a win. Like uh, people in the state of Florida and Georgia and boosters and uh, fans were excited because they were going to have some guardrails and able to start doing this. Right. But then the NCAA throws their hands up shortly afterwards. And it's like, we don't know how to handle this. Each state, you kind of figure it out yourself and each school, you figure it out yourself. So now having rules is actually... Uh, a detriment, I guess. Is that is that a reasonable way to look at it? Yeah, it is. And we saw that play out this off se- or this season. And when it comes to political issues, you very rarely see a school, or when it comes to any hot issue, you very rarely see the school, the players, the recruits, the fans. Everybody is on the side of getting this thing either taken away or amended and you've seen chip lamarca representative chip lamarca um he filed a bill that would tweak florida's nil law and this spring it's essentially gone nowhere we had heard from some people on big man big heart uh, we've had chip lamarca on uh, he came on several weeks ago and thought that you know this bill would be passed quite easily um some tweaks made to it that allows the schools to participate in this NIL process like they do in other states. Um, However, it's really gone nowhere in the first session of the month. And on Wednesday, Chris Sprouls, Chris Sprouls, who is the House Speaker, had this to say when asked about the bill. I haven't really paid much attention to it, to be honest. I know a lot of people are interested in it. Yeah, I I think to a certain extent, it's like, you know, it's like a race to the bottom in college sports, right? Like how many sports cars can we put in the hands of 18-year-olds? But, you know, so I'm not super excited about the topic, I guess. Yeah. All right, thank you all. If there was ever a case for on the bench needing a producer, it was watching Josh hold up his cell phone into his microphone and get that clip uh, as grainily grainily as it was. No, I think it was fine. So – what do you think about the words that he used in there? Well, real quick, Josh, Chip is the one who introduced the original bill, right? That's now trying to be revised. Yes, and he's also introducing House Bill 939. I don't know if that's Which the new revision. one. Yeah, okay. That's- I think that's essentially a revision. Um, on what Chris said, not me, that Chris, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just, it shows a complete, like, I get it. I understand the idea is we don't need, Alabama quarterbacks making a million dollars and buying sports cars. That's what he's saying. But it's completely disregarding what many players have done, Dylan Gibbons being the best FSU example of doing a heck of a lot of good that this allows them to do. So, like, uh, you know, it's like anything else, just short-sighted. It it seems – I mean, I don't want to get – 
I told Josh, Chris, you might appreciate this. Josh was thinking about what we're talking about today. We thought maybe podcast form would be best, but over the weekend, he was like, I might just do a VIP post on it and put it on the message board. And I was like, Josh, you're moderating that that thread. Because uh, I didn't even see it as political. I wasn't even thinking in that, those terms. And then when Brendan said that I had a moderate, I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, the board has gone to uh, to that been, this offseason. It's been, off an, interest, it's been so, an interesting place. Uh, I the problem with politics has become a two-team game where we're flying flags that you're on right. the side of the right. – bird or that side of bird this isn't political this isn't a republican versus democrat deal or anything of that sort this is i think people that have a good knowledge and understanding of what this can allow for and those who kind of just read the headlines and that quote by that individual is someone who just reads the headlines it did come off as correct me if i'm wrong but like anti-capitalistic to be like if you're in, in favor of capitalism and people being able to earn as much money as, as potentially out there it, it didn't seem like like being so flippant and dismissive of it uh, didn't seem like you're in, in favor of uh, you know, a, a certain section of the population being able to to maximize uh, earnings and profit. So that, that was how I viewed it. Yeah, I agree. And I think that. Um, was that a wet fish that I just threw onto the onto the dialogue? I feel like it was moving before then. My bad. No, and we'll see what happens. There was a there was a response from dylan gibbons on twitter um and i believe him and chip lamarca are still going to press this thing um we could see other potential athletes get involved i believe much like last year when we saw mackenzie milton and dear king from miami kind of team up on social media and directly ask some of these politicians where they stand on the issue and you know what they're going to do about it so we'll see how things transpire um, but I've also been in touch with some high-ranking government officials, and I've learned that the universities are not freaked out by this right now. Um, there is a kind of a way to pull the ripcord at the end where they can get it done late by just abolishing the current law. So the way to get on an even playing field might not be just to amend this, but they could just abolish the entire current bill. And you can do that even if they don't address this bill. Like if there's an education bill, I'm told, they can throw in the education bill that they want to throw out House bill, the uh, NCAA and NIL bill. So they can get that done and abolish it one way or another. They'd like to amend it. But if they have to, I think at the end, we see them abolish it. And then we see Florida end up on the same level playing field. Zach, I want to get your thoughts on the topic, just generally NIL, because you are talking to more recruits than any of us are. You're a college student, so you're privy to, to understand what college students are thinking of it. Just your general thoughts, man, on on NIL and I guess how it's kind of developed here in the state of Florida. Do, do recruits actually talk about this like when you're you're hanging out with them? Yeah, I'm not usually hanging out with them. No, but, you're, uh, you're just, you know, sitting down, having a cheeseburger, having a good time. I know how yeah, you do. Yeah, so... Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely a topic that's been brought up a lot in recruiting lately. Like, I think my thought on, you know, uh, that Chris's comment about NIL is just that, that, Chris. like, the percentage of college athletes that are, first of all, getting any NIL deals is very small. And second of all, getting, like, deals that are worth the money, like, to buy a sports car. Like, I don't know. Like, I think... Like a lot of these college athletes are getting local, you know, deals from like restaurants for like a couple hundred dollars a month or something like, you know, what Chris was saying, this guy was obviously just reading the headlines of, oh, Alabama quarterback making a $1 million deal 
um, you know, Quinn Ewers, whatever, uh, making uh, six figures as well. So like, I think uh, it's just a small, super small percentage of actual college athletes that are profiting big money um, off, off their name, image, and likeness. But, but yeah, definitely it's, it's been a recruiting tool as much as Jimbo Fisher wants to deny it. Um, schools are definitely using it as a recruiting tool. Um, you know, I think Florida State, we've talked about in the past, needs to step up in that department. That's in part due to some of the, the restrictions in the state based on legislation. But I think the school itself, um, you know, the Rising Spear website still lacks a lot of things that I, you know, right when they launched, uh, what was it, the end of January, I posted that they, you know, they still don't have on their website a an explanation of how the funds are going to be used and they're they're asking for donations so i just that that's the thing i don't really get is like you know i don't know if fsu is directly involved in that they need if if so they need to be more proactive in trying to um, provide info to fans because that could be such a, a huge tool towards helping the recruiting efforts um as we've seen like with texas uh, or even UF recently with their Gator Collective. Yeah, Billy Napier actually thanked the Gator Collective, I believe, in his most recent signing day press conference. I believe I saw that. Yeah, and I think the school actually announced the Gator Collective as an official partner. Official yeah, the, I'm also told that the universities have made it clear that they're not going to comply with the law. And there's no, there's actually in the law, there is no penalty for violating the state law. So the universities fear the NCAA more than they fear the the law at this point. There is this is just something that needs to be tweaked and done with. I think you know the fact that it's being held up is pointless. It's it's probably just politics being played. And when the NCAA lost in court last summer and basically the door opened for NIL to move forward following that, they've kind of put their guns down and they're Correct. just standing on the sidelines watching. They don't care. Like it. Yeah. it it is more Wild West than it has ever been in college athletics. And until somebody, whether that's the NCAA or the national government, decides to create guardrails on a national perspective, I don't think they're going to resume being a rule enforcement body in that sense. So if schools want to go do it, they pretty much are allowed to. When does session end? March? End of March? I think so. Okay. So I have maybe. about 15 friends I could ask that question, but I don't know because I hate politics. Back back in my my younger days when I lived in downtown, I would go go drink, and it would always get busier in February and March because all the politicians would go and cut it up and, and drink after uh, after long days. So I think it was end of March is when it slows down again. So that would what Brendan's I'm just admitting this... he was a Clyde and Costello's guy. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Um, yeah. I think late March is when it ends. So that could be a time when there's some resolution to this. I know Josh speak with him the other day. He's optimistic this ultimately does get resolved in a way that's favorable for the current landscape of Florida, Florida schools like Florida State. Um, and that's just until the landscape changes again. Yeah, I think by summer, one way or another, FSU in the in-state schools are going to be in a better situation than they are right now. I just don't know how it's going to get done. Like whether we see them pull the ripcord and just abolish the whole bill or if they make the tweaks to the bill, I don't know which route they're going to take. Uh, Florida really tried to be one of the first to this and in the end it backfired. Right. That's why we're the in the state situation. of Florida. Yeah. Yeah. State of Florida. Now, as it applies to like the Gator Collective and then Rising Spear, which we've we've discussed a little bit here, like 
I get the Florida State fans' frustration. We've articulated this on the podcast before. Uh, a good way to look at it is if you just think of, so w- one thing that the Gator Collective has done is addition to being transparent is they have the the subscription model of paying for content or basically people, fans can pay monthly, much like how they pay for Knowles 24-7 or, or Swamp 24-7, right? Think about for what what that been going on for six months, a year, how much money they're making every month of just rolling over of those subscriptions of what Florida State's response to that, their version of it, Rising Spear has not been able to do just by just by being slower to the punch. I think that's where the fr- the fan frustration is. I get they're trying to do it the right way. They don't want to rush things, um, but that's where you're looking for more progress. And there has been some, to be fair. Like there has been, uh, they recently announced deals with, um, uh, oh, what's the charitable group, Chris? Help me out here. Boys and Girls Club. Boys and Girls Club of, of Big Ben, thank you. With with AJ Duffy, with Jamie Robinson, with Jordan Travis. And that's good because people were frustrated a couple weeks ago when Rising Spear, you know, first they were frustrated that Rising Spear didn't have a way to donate money. And then they had a way to donate money, but they weren't saying where the money was going, which specific athletes it would go to. And then Rise Spirit answer with, okay, here's some of what this is happening here. Um, and then the, the message board was was quiet. Uh, the next step, I guess, is is having that continue to be transparent and allowing people to know if you're going to put money here, this is where we would like for it to go. These are things you can get. This is how it kind of trickles down. I think that's the next step. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Rising Spirit and I before we move on? Well, yeah. the only other thought I have, I still think FSU desperately needs an athlete who kind of is the showcase animal, showcase item to NIL. And Dylan's the closest thing they have to it. And Dylan's done a great deal of good with it. Love what the young man has done with it. He took it, he ran, he did it early. He's done it often. He's going to continue to do it. It's all great. But I'm talking more in the sense of the superstar athlete who's getting sponsorships, you know, the Caleb Williams beats by Dre at USC or, yeah. you know, Quinn Ewers or uh, Bryce Young at Bama, somebody of that sort that you can point to as the example. I think from a recruiting perspective and a general view perspective of the people that are interested in going to FSU for athletics, I think it's important for them to have somebody of that sort. And they sort of, to this point in time, they lack that. Part of that was that, yeah, they don't have, I was talking about this with someone who's kind of in the realm of NIL stuff like a week or so ago there's just not a whole lot of FSU athletes that have a ton of followers um, like on social media, who is the woman's soccer players by far the most. I'm blanking on her name. Chris. You're talking about Dana Castellanos who yeah. used to be here. Used to be here. And so that's yeah. no longer an example. That Jalen like Howell would have been somewhat in that realm, but she's now going to professional ranks. So. And uh, he should not be named like Travis Hunter would have been probably the guy for the future and the fixture of that four floors. They had that potential. So yes. just, yeah, superstars are needed. I think to kind of, uh, paint a vision of like this is where you could go with nil to attract more sponsors uh zach were you going to say something before before chris started going yeah i mean just one other thing explaining why i think it's really important um for rising spirit to, to provide that you know explanation of where the funds are going is you know we have a message board full of fans that are largely interested in football um and i don't think that if they're making huge donations they want to be spending it towards other sports as much as, you know, towards football players. So if these, you know, you know, I think every sport should, should benefit, but there definitely should be distinctions uh, and, and clear ways for these fans to know where their money is actually going. Does it then get into, help me out guys. Like, does it then get into title nine? If it's state, 
compliant or state funded like to an extent like does i don't know is this, i'm sure these are the questions that that compliance and just people doing rising spear gator collective like lawyers are having to discuss is all these type of things it's just it it isn't super easy i get that it's frustrating it's been so slow for florida state compared to I others i don't know if it enters the title nine realm of possibility um you know, if you're designating that your funds are going specifically to this sport or this athlete, I don't know how much uh, basically red tape you have to cut through to deal with that to make sure that happens, or if that's something that just needs to be fine-tuned and should be allowed. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think there's more research we can keep doing into this. Um, some good news, FSU does have an official empanada sponsor now. Brisas, Brisas, oh boy, Brisas, Brisas, we're giving you Brisas, we are giving you free advertising right now, as much as I'm butchering this, we are talking about you guys being the official empanada of FSU, I love it, I'm a fan of it, uh, more sponsorship, I think it's great for Florida State, you can go and have some of their products at FSU baseball and softball games coming up this spring, and if you guys want to uh, sponsor a podcast, I do like empanadas, I'm just saying, it's out there. Especially the Nutella one looks pretty great. Yeah, shout out to those guys. They came on Spaces. Um, they are FSU alum. I believe they graduated in about, I, I think he said 2013. And right now they have um, walk-in locations only in Orlando. But I believe they're going to expand. And like you said, they will be available at sporting games. And I did ask for you, Brendan, when he was on Spaces. Mm -hmm. And I said, will they be in the press box? He said he... He alluded to it. I took that as confirmation. Let's said he couldn't go. he couldn't spill the beans right now, but he was laughing. So is that a joke? Spill the beans because black bean empanadas are delicious. Um, a few things here. One, I heard that with my burner account. Don't worry, I heard it, Josh. Thank you. Two, uh, it's a little bit of a controversy here. Chris, does does Gordo still provide empanadas in the press box uh, once a week? Uh, no, I don't okay. believe so. You're All talking right, so for the, baseball. Yeah, for baseball. Now, baseball food has changed a lot due to the pandemic. We uh, it actually became far less, and then it became just a concession ticket. So we'll see if it re returns to some normalcy this year. Baseball used to have the best spread. Like you would get uh, Gordo's, like a like a Cuban sub, and then they would have some empanadas as well. Uh, sometimes, like on Friday nights, they'd have Hungry Howie's one of the nights, and then they would also do. Uh, what was the burrito place in town, Chris? Uh, burrito Border? No, no, mm -hmm. that's Bandi the more Banditos. One. The one Banditos. Banditos, yeah, yeah, which I believe is gone. I think it, it is. R.I.P. Um, but yeah, baseball had the best, like just Tallahassee flair of of uh, a food going on. Um, yeah, and so, some yeah. firehouse and some CFA mixed in there too. I mean, come on, let's go. So yeah, I guess there's now an opening for Brisas to kind of be the empanada guys in the press box. So they saw an opening, they took it. Good for them. Good for them. Josh, anything else? This is your baby. I feel like I've derailed it, but this has been fun, informative, uh, hopefully interesting to, to listeners. Anything else on NIL before we move on to the next topic? No, I just wanted to say through all the con controversy that I do think by the summer, we'll, we'll have something better to report on NIL in terms of where Florida State and what Florida State can do when it comes to NIL. So we'll see what happens, but I'll keep, I'll keep a track on it. The, the next topic Josh, what song would FSU basketball be if it was a song right now? What would the title be? Free Falling. It's <laughs> no, a good one, Chris. All and, right. And we are free falling right now. Go for it, Nee. Uh, hoops. What's it? Four losses in a row? Uh, they've lost four in a row. Four in a row, one. man. They're Sorry. 500 in the conference, six and six. 
13 and nine on the year. Uh, they are officially in the territory of pretty much everything is a must win going forward. And the next bad loss is probably the nail on the proverbial coffin. Uh, Wednesday, they host Pitt at 9 p.m. here in Tallahassee. Pitt's one of the bottom dwellers in the league. It would be very important for FSU to win that game, especially because they kind of hit a stretch here coming up. We have three of their next five games are at North Carolina, at Duke, and at Virginia. Virginia is not a normal Virginia team, but they're still capable. Clemson and BC is mixed in that upcoming stretch, too. Uh, they're coming off a loss here to Wake Forest, 68-60 here in Tallahassee. Man, that first half was just awful basketball. James Naismith was rolling over. Um, FSU couldn't shoot. Wake Forest couldn't take care of the ball. It was just awful. Um, FSU is shorthanded. You know, if you keep up with hoops, you know Malik Osborne got cut on. He's done for the year. Naheem McLeod broke his finger, had surgery. I don't think they went quite as far as saying he's done for the year, but it would be surprising at this stretch to see him get back anytime soon when it matters anymore for FSU. Anthony Polite's dealing with a wrist injury, which was suffered against Virginia Tech on January 29th. He is day to day, it's not quite the right term, but it's undetermined when he will return. And then John Butler was in the wake game during the first half after playing about eight minutes. He rolled his ankle and could not go any further. So they are quite shorthanded. The one highlight of Saturday's loss, Harrison Prieto played his backside off. Uh, depending on the box score you look at, different box scores, both issued by FSU after the game had him with 13 points and 12 boards or 13 points and 13 boards either which way career highs in both categories first career double double for the walk on the weatherman played really hard played really well he was a breath of fresh air and definitely a leader on the floor something they desperately have needed since Malik Osborne's injury they're uh you know they're just not playing good basketball there's a lot of things they're not doing well they defensively they've had a lot of issues that were a little bit better against the three-pointer than they had been in the games prior to the Clemson loss with VTech and Georgia Tech, where they kind of allowed them to shoot lights out. But, you know, turnovers, uh, they were 9 of 22 on layups against Wake Forest. That was a big issue. You make a handful more of those easy bunnies, you probably win that game. They didn't do it. Uh, not doing a great job of getting to the line, not doing a great job of finishing at the room. It's just – it's tough to watch. Uh, you know, I'm, my confidence in their ability to turn it around is – dwindling with each injury and I just I don't know I, I don't I don't I, at this point I don't think there's going to be somebody that steps up that hasn't done it to this point in time this year that's going to help change the trajectory of who and what they are you know Caleb Mills is streaky Matthew Cleveland shot is not very good but he plays hard he can get to the rim he can finish at the rim he can do some of that stuff he can fill it up but right now he's a bit of a consumption shooter but a guy like Jalen Morley hasn't taken the next step, which they so desperately need him to. And there's not really anybody else I can point to and say, oh, I think that guy's going to take the load of what these other guys who are missing, you know, forces them. You know, interior-wise, you don't have Naheem McLeod, so you're relying on a Quincy Ballard who's just not it. Um, and then you go to a guy like Prieto, and he knows where he's supposed to be positioned on the floor. He plays really hard, but he'll tell you, and he said in the post game. He's just not as athletic as a lot of guys he's going to be facing in the ACC. So, you know, it's a give and take with him. But I think he's beneficial being on the court. I was hoping Cam Fletcher might be that guy. Uh, Cam Fletcher is kind of a weird deal with the fan base in the sense where I think they so desperately want to see more from him. And it irritates them that Wyatt Wilkes gets his minutes. But Cam Fletcher also is insanely inconsistent at times on the court. But I do love his effort. And I think he's one of the few guys on 
on the team who can almost self-generate a run. You know, a bucket, a steal, another bucket, once in a blue moon hitting a three, he can kind of give you a shot in the arm. But it's so up and down with him that I just don't think the coaching staff trusts him to be that guy and give him the kind of minutes that it might need, might require. So long story short, Chris, my, my take is that this was a team that was peaking at the right time. Seems like it ran out of gas with the accumulation of injuries and it's just kind of just doesn't have answers anymore. Well, I mean, the injuries have definitely played a role, but even if you look at during that winning streak, they, you know, they hang on by the skin of their teeth at Miami winning by one. The Duke game was a one point victory. Syracuse was a five point game. The Miami game here in Tallahassee was a one point game. And that's four of those six wins in a row there. So it's not like they were, it's not like the team a few years ago when they got on that stretch where they just were annihilating opponents. It was not anything like that. They were just showing the ability to win playing good basketball. ACC games generally are close, but the room for error was minimal, and the injuries certainly have hurt them. I think Malik Osborne injury has been the most significant. Uh, and he wasn't even playing great basketball. It was more that Malik is a guy that can get the troops in order, calm mm-hmm. it down knows where you're supposed to be, helps with spacing on defense, all those things, and they just miss it. They don't have no guy that stepped up. It's tough because there was so much hope. Like you said, they were close, uh, close wins, but they were still winning against really good opponents. And then you looked at the schedule and you're like, okay, this is a, a stretch where you can get some breathing room now in the standings and and build yourself a little bit of you know some some space, some cushion. Yeah, And it's just the – They've stacked up bad losses. Happened. Yeah. Uh, from a resume standpoint, they've stacked up bad losses. And the league stinks. I mean, I I don't think the league is more than a four-bid team right now. UNC's trying their best not to make the tournament by beating nobody of significance. Uh, Michigan's, for example, UNC's best victory. Duke absolutely molly whopped them over the weekend. Um, I just The league is not very good. I think Wake is probably right now the third or fourth best team in this league. Duke and Miami are up there at the top. Notre Dame's in that discussion too. And as a result uh... – just to clarify, like you said earlier, this is basically razor thin margin for FSU, right? Like yeah. one one more bad loss is, is it? So they're six and six in the league, which means they have eight left in the regular season. Uh, you know, you're sitting there thinking they go say they say they get hot again. They go six and two. That puts them at nineteen and eleven at the end of the year, and twelve and eight in the league. I don't know if that's enough to make the tournament. Some of that depends on who are those six wins against and who are the two losses against. Because, you know, you put in a pit kind of loss on there. That's just not a really bad resume killer, mm-hmm. which you've got a few of. Uh, so, yeah, they very, very thin margin of error remains for them. What would be the, the magic number you would set for win total? Like if they get to 20, do you feel like then they've done enough to probably justify a, a bubble spot? Some of it depends on who they beat. On who it is. Uh, they, they need some victories of significance. Um, they don't have a whole lot of that right now on the resume. I think the best thing for this team would be to be try to be as good as you can be when March rolls around, uh, try to figure some things out, you know, maybe a little bit of trial and error here over the next three weeks in February, and then try to go do something in the ACC tournament. I think that might be the better uh, path to trying to steal a bid. Okay, moving on to some optimism. Can you smell it in the air? It's a little spring, a little springish in Tallahassee. Kind of. It's been really cold, actually. But it's going to be nice this week. It's going to be springish. And with that comes rebirth, hope, regeneration. Josh, you want to get us going, talking about a little bit of spring recruiting that's on the docket that that young Zach Blossing has kind of started to put together? Yeah, one of the themes of the spring when it comes to visits is going to be events. 
And we've kind of talked about that in January where we saw these smaller groups of 2023 prospects coming on campus. And that's because a number of FSU's 2023 targets have already been on campus. And most of them have been on campus more than once. So how many times can you do a tour? How many times can you sit with your position coach? How many times can you do all this before it becomes boring? That's why Florida State focused on getting those smaller groups on campus in January, uh, local guys, guys that maybe haven't um, visited yet that were newly offered. FSU did a good job of targeting them. Now come the big names. March 5 is likely going to con- coincide with one of the first days of spring practice. It's a Saturday, and we are expecting FSU to roll out the red carpet for some big names. Zach has been all over it. Zach, I want to bring you on in now. You published something on Knowles 24-7 this morning of an early, early visitor list for March 5. Uh, Still a couple weeks to go, but who is on the list so far that people can get excited about? Yeah, well, so far we've got two five-star headliner types and five-star wideout Brandon Ennis out of American Heritage and five-star defensive lineman Vic Burley um, out of Warner Robins in in Georgia. Uh, Those two guys are definitely – on the headliners, but there's nearly a dozen other blue chip guys that have already confirmed as well. Um, you know, some commits, Cam Davis, Chris Parson, uh, Florida State's 2023 quarterback commit, going to be on campus doing some recruiting for FSU. Um, one of the, one of, you know, our board's favorite names, Santana Fleming out of American Heritage is going to be there, four-star wideout. Um, and Lucas Simmons, a four-star offensive lineman who was on campus at FSU in January, tells me he plans on making it back for the first week of March at FSU. That's huge. Um, he's a huge target at uh, kind of the offensive tackle position. So um, Alex Atkins doing his work there, getting him back on campus. And, you know, I'm, I'm still working to confirm a bunch of other guys. Um, I think over the coming days we'll, we'll have some more. But, um, yeah, uh, it's looking like a good list so far. All right, and we'll be excited to to see those names pop up as you confirm them. Um, Chris, anybody on that list that you're specifically looking out out for? Anybody that you think is important coming in? I mean, I think anybody offensive skill-wise who can light up the scoreboard is what they need. That's an area where I think they need to take the next jump with this class, mm-hmm. hopefully. Uh, you know, Brandon Ennis is obviously one of those. Santana Fleming is a guy who I think they value a great deal. Um those would probably be the first two I kind of think of. And I, I love Vic Burley, and I know they love Vic Burley. I think that's going to be an uphill climb with Georgia and Clemson being the two that they have to kind of work around and beat out. So those are the first names I think of. But I know that list is going to swell a lot. And we're yeah, gonna have a good amount it definitely of is. In here. And spring is a good time. It's a good time to see who comes to campus. It's also a good time to see who doesn't come to campus. And March 5 will be one date. Uh, They'll probably have another scrimmage down the road where they try to target a bunch of kids, and then you'll have the spring game. So we don't need to put the whole emphasis on March 5. It's just one of probably the first of probably three or four important spring dates before we get to summer. But I think by the time the spring game comes to pass, I think at that point we can go back and we can say, okay, look who was on campus, look who wasn't on campus, and then we can really separate the board. Yeah, I mean – Spring very much sets up June, I guess is the best way I can put it, mm-hmm. is that if you have success in the spring with getting guys on campus and they return in June, you've got a chance. That's the formula. If you don't get them in the spring and you get them in June, you're taking a swing. 
if you don't get them in the spring and you don't get them in June, yeah, better be a good reason why they can only get here basically on an official visit kind of season. Mm-hmm. What if great telling time? Tw- what if someone visits twice in the spring? Then what? It's a great they're sign. Le- they're legitimately they're the king really of the interested. They're the king of the spring. Thank you. So but much. as with what we're trying to say is, you can't put all your eggs in any one of these baskets because even if say somebody does show twice for spring, but he doesn't show up during the summer and he's making a decision in September, what is the, what do those spring visits mean anymore? You know, not really much. Things got lost in the shuffle during summer. So you look for the consistency throughout the formula for Florida state landing big time prospects is getting them on campus early, getting them on campus again in the spring, once it's their time, summer, and then official visit. That's usually the formula. It's almost like financial quarters in a weird way of thinking of it, but it's that first quarter you want to get at least one visit that second quarter. And some of the lines of the quarters will uh, blur a bit because spring football will be essentially starting in the first quarter, but it bleeds into the second quarter, third quarter is a summer month, fourth quarter is the season. If you can pull off a visit in all four, you're, you're definitely contender multiple. You feel better Two, you're in it. One, it's a swing. Uh, That's kind of how I view it. Anything else on recruiting before we go to our last topic, fellas? No, I think this sets up perfectly for a serious game of buy or Sinone. Ooh, buy or Sinone. You want to play buy or Sinone? Let's do it. I didn't even think we were going to play that today. Sure, I got some questions I can think of off the top of my head very organically. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Buy or Sinone. Jermaine Johnson, after his strong senior bowl performance, will be a top 20 pick in this year's NFL draft. Buy? You're you're on it, huh? The fact that he shut it down for that last day of practice in the game makes me think that the feedback he received there was that he had done what was needed to essentially gravitate from the 20 to 40 range, potentially to more likely to 10 to 30 range. And this is a loaded defensive end class as well. One of the best in recent memory and for him to be solidified himself potentially as a top 20 pick is, is really impressive and says a lot about I, what he's done. Combine's going to be good for him. And the more he gets around teams, I think they're going to like him. Yes. And I, I think that matters. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Like, what do you remember the, the dialogue, the narrative we were kind of discussing with him last year? It's like, if he could be a second round talent, that's a huge win for Florida State. And he just has done everything to surpass even high expectations that we had. It's impressive. All right. Buyer Sinone generally for everyone. The book of Boba Fett. You buy or Sinone in it so far? I'm, I'm not watching an episode yet. What? I know that probably comes as a surprise. Yeah, it does. What is it? The book of Boba Fett? On Disney Plus. No. Star Wars. Oh, sorry. So you're synoning it. I presume Zach's been watching. I have not watched the full thing, but I watched a few episodes and it was really boring. I hope it got better. Uh, Episode, the the seventh episode that just came out was kind of a badass episode. Maybe just watch that one if you just want to skip ahead. Yeah, I'll skip. All right, uh, Josh, buy or synone? A bottle of Pappy Van Winkle for $20. You buying that or synoning it? I'm buying it if it's Dylan Gibbons raffle on Big Man Big Heart. That's exactly what it is. Big man, big heart. Uh, you guys can listen to it. Josh's side project with Dylan Gibbons. Uh, you can go to big man, big heart. And for Valentine's day, he's doing a raffle, basically $20 buys you a ticket and a chance to earn a bottle of Blanton's a bottle of Weller 12 year, which is uh, both of those. You go ahead and look at, at how much those costs on the secondary market. You're talking about hundreds. And then finally, old rip van Winkle 10 year, also known as it's basically the entry of the Pappy van Winkle line. 
Google how much that cost uh, on a secondary and $20, a, a lottery ticket for that might be worth it to potentially get it. And it goes to the big man, big heart uh, uh, foundation too, which is, as we noted earlier, been uh, behind a lot of good charitable events here in, in Tallahassee so far. So I want to give a shout out to, to Dylan there for what he's doing. All right. Uh, by Orsonone, generally, the message board is in a good place right now. I will uh, know that. I don't know if it's off-season blues or just general angst right now, but, man, it just I, – I don't – I'm not one of these people that – I'm not a political person, so I don't have an interest in politics on being on a message board, and it's not something people can grasp and discuss and do a good job of. So that's one of those things we have shut down. But, like, all the Miami and Florida talk, I know people always care about the rivals – I don't right now. Till FSU starts winning enough, like outside of the game week of them playing each other and whatever sport, don't really care. Like Florida State's running its own race, huh, Chris? What? Florida State's got to run its own race at this yeah. point. Yeah, right now that's where they are. Like, yes, I don't want FSU to beat them in anything and everything ever till the end of time. But like, I don't obsess over who Mario is hiring. Well, you're gonna love my next buyer, Sonone. Buyer, Sonone, Miami hiring Josh Caddis as its offensive coordinator. I mean, they did it, so it's a good, yeah, it's a, it's a good hire, right? It's a buy. I've, I'm buying it. Got, I'm biased. I can't really weigh in on this. How do you know Josh? I've known Josh for a long time. I remember Chris. I remember going to a Dr. Phillips high school game when I was covering high school athletics uh, in Orlando and speaking with Chris. And then Gaddis came and started chopping it up next to me. And this is going back 10, 10 years. That dude's been working in yeah, Central Florida, yeah. Florida area for a long time. Yeah, he, he re- I, I knew I him like- because he recruited Tampa for um, yeah. James Franklin at uh, Vanderbilt. And I yeah, met him dude. during the, the recruitment of Josh Grady when Grady was only a, a sophomore junior at Armwood. So this had to be like 2011, 2012 is when I met Gaddis. And, you know, he, He's come a long way. He was a wide receiver coach, so naturally he's a great recruiter. That's where his roots are. Um, I, I don't want to – this is not the platform for me to carry on about Josh Gaddis. The one, I like Gaddis. I'll just get that out of the way. But the one thing about Gaddis that I find interesting is I feel like the, the appreciation of him versus the, like, aggravation with him of fan bases that he's worked for, the teams, it flips flip-flops a lot year by year. Uh, it definitely seemed like – he did not feel like Michigan was a long-term plan for him based on the quotes that have leaked out. So good for him to go and going to get a job in South Florida and probably getting overpaid, which I think they were going to do regardless of who they are. I think he made a phenomenal career move. When I always yeah. talk about front end of jobs, back end of jobs, that clock, baby. Yeah. Set that clock to, to jump off that roller coaster ride at Michigan when he did at the top, you know, winning the awards for OC, all that kind of stuff to go get on the now get on the front end of a job at Miami with an outstanding quarterback. If, I think Gaddis is 38 years old. If he walks into that situation and has a year or two of success, he will be a head coach next. Yeah. And I and I and I wonder what happens to his career if he stays at Michigan in terms of getting ultimately to the top. And you look at what Michigan has done and he's regarded as like an, a borderline elite recruiter if not an elite recruiter, correct? Absolutely. Okay, and so has that, been for a long time. I mean, right. that's what he was when he entered, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And at Michigan, and you look at some of the numbers, like they've progressed each year 
with him, uh, but it's never been an elite offense, but this was by far their best. And you just wonder, like, is that sustainable? Is that going to continue? It's about the quarterback play to me. Yeah. And when you walk into a place that has a quarterback that's capable and ready to go, you're set up as an OC. You're set up. That's all you need is a QB. There's so many places that lack a QB. And if you have one, that's all you need. I was going to say, like, I, I didn't get the feeling, like, from what he's, what they've done when he's been the play card, like, it's FSU fans should relax. It's not like this X and O genius, but he is very competent at what he's going to be doing with play calling. And he's going to fit in with Mario's staff and recruit very well. We knew like that's what Mario was going to do and be a, a problem for everyone in state and in the region. And that's going to recruit South Florida and the state of Florida. He'll be as at, good at, as his QB is. Mm -hmm. and, and Zach, you said you were a fan of it as well. Yeah, I think he's going to help uh, in recruiting efforts. I know he's really tied in with five-star wideout Jalen Brown, um, who's down in my, like, Miami Gulliver prep, mm -hmm. uh, who's a really good prospect. And I, he was really considering Michigan as one of his top schools before um, Gaddis made the move. I got a buyer Sinone. Ooh, go for it. Buyer Sinone. Brendan introduced this topic just so that he could piss off the message board and lock the thread when they start bringing this <laughs> up about why we gushed over a Miami OC hire for five minutes. Buyer Sinone. Sinone. I will buy that wholeheartedly. <laughs> yes. I look forward to the text message. <laughs> you Guys, all they're talking about is that one <laughs> stupid segment we did. You're going to tell us how stressed he is about people bringing it up. I can't believe they're giving me hell about this. <laughs> <sighs> Any other buyer synonyms you got up your sleeve? Yeah, sure. Buyer synonyms, you hate us right now. Bye. Bye. Brendan. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Sano, Chris. At least 40 wins for FSU baseball this season. Postseason included. Uh, it's a regular schedule, so it's a little bit lengthier than last year. I will go with bye. Um, they have pitching. They feel extremely confident about the pitching. The fielding's improved, as I've mentioned. I need to see the hitting to see if they're going to contend. I mean, they were picked by the ACC coaches, solely the coaches, as the favorite in the ACC. So it's not me hyping them up. There's a belief in what that roster is and what it can be. Uh, as we've seen with other sports, the transfer portal can kind of help flip a team quickly. And I think a lot of the deficiencies they had last year, they went portal and they fixed. And the strengths they had last year, which was pitching for the most part, is stronger. So, yeah, I'll buy. You know, I just want to point out, if Chris Nee got the amount of crap that I got on the message board, he would lose his mind. He would go absolutely crazy if he was the punching bag like I am. Chris but Nee doesn't do the things that I've you done, do. I've done message boards for 20 years, man. Literally, yeah. I've done message boards for more than half of my life. I know. And I've had to moderate them and work on them for more than half of my and life. And you're great at it. But when they come for you, you don't like it. I'm just saying they come for me all the time. I don't like it. And I, I turn a bit into a grizzly bear at times, a very unhappy, angry grizzly bear. Because if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly bear. So, yeah, I do. But, like, I also sometimes just roll with punches. Maybe I can do that a little bit better. By Orsonone, no, pull – man, I could try, but I won't. By Orsonone, uh, you pull up your underwear front side first. I'm kind of equal. I, I don't know. I, I, I'll have to pay attention next I'm time. I'm like, equal, man. What do you mean front side front. first? Well, some people, I think, go backside first. You got a yeah. donk back there? You got to like... <laughs> You're doing all those squats, man. They're paying off. <laughs> There's no way you do it equal. Go in, Next time you do it. Josh, I think I do do it equal. I don't think you do. 
All right, I got a buyer Sinone. Okay. All right, buyer Sinone. After two years, Norvell is surviving, not thriving. I mean, buy. There's, I mean, I they're, they're not, Go ahead. Go not, ahead. There's no way. I, I don't think we can say that this program is thriving right now. I think they're, I think they're slightly behind schedule of what we would have liked them to be. I think six wins was what you kind of wanted. I think you wanted to push for a top fifteen, top ten recruiting class. That's not where they're at. So I think they're behind schedule. I don't think that means it's it's imminently going to be done uh, for for him. But the margin for error is certainly less than what you would like it to be two years in. And also part of that's just pandemic and starting off with just the bad luck of 2020. But, yeah. I'm because I think they're a solid push right there in the middle of those two. And that this year is going to determine it. I think there has to be patience in this whole process. I, I think we try to preach that. And this is mm-hmm. a year that I think is going to kind of determine where it probably goes for the next 24 to 36 months total from this point today. I would is Norvell surviving or thrive? I would I would buy that he's probably more on the survival side, but I don't think it's a situation where you know we're treading water, gasping for air, surviving. But I think we're closer to surviving than thriving at this point. Thriving would mean like closer to finishing with like a top 10 class, in my opinion, for me to see a, a thriving program i would have liked to seen like a top 10 finish zach byerson own yeah i think uh i'm buying that he's surviving i think mix of you know finishing well on early signing day and making necessary coaching changes would make me to believe that they're more on the thriving side but obviously that didn't happen so i'm going with surviving Hmm. all right well brennan back to you how do you you want to talk about how you wipe next some people wipe standing up which i find peculiar i didn't even know that existed but apparently that's a real thing buyer sinone it has to be buyer sinone form uh buyer sinone i don't i don't want to know how any of you wipe here buyer (laughs) sinone your awareness that people some people wipe standing up yeah i mean it's kids right no, I'm the saying thing, adults do it. The things it. you think about are just nuts to me. Like, I don't put thought into this stuff. I, no, I put my underwear one. on every day, and I couldn't tell you I how don't I put know. it on. Like, I don't know. I didn't I, ask this one. This was Josh. I jump into my underwear, now that I think about it. I hold it I want, out in front of me, and I jump into it. I want video. No, please be wearing underwear already, and, like, jump into a second pair. Josh I also video. gets in bed by doing a backflip, bouncing, flipping over, grabbing the sheets, covering himself in all one fluid motion. Ooh, buy or Sinone, are you a stomach sleeper or a side sleeper or a back sleeper? Buy mm. or Sinone? All of the above. Buy. It's a buy, Chris. I've become a back sleeper with a pillow over my head. Over your head? Yeah. She smothers that mouth. I do. <laughs> Goodbye, crew world. Uh, buy or Sinone, this was for Zach. Dane from Double Fries, No Slaw, owns shoes. Buy or Sinone? Sinone. No, I'm kidding. I think he does own shoes. He just doesn't wear them. <laughs> Never seen Who Danny. Shoes on. Who Danny? He's, dude, he was pretty good at Palm, bro. He was pretty good. Oh, okay. Thanks for inviting me, Zach. No problem. Yeah. You were dealing right. with your dog and your wife. I was dealing with my dog and my wife and uh, verbal abuse from our message boarders. But we won't get into that right now. Move on. Move Is on. it verbal if it's written? Ooh. Hmm. Byerson. Byerson owned. 
I'll buy. Because I heard it in my head. He read it aloud. Mm-hmm. I, read it aloud. I feel like Sinone needs to hire one of those people who just hugs you and takes it all out of you. I don't know what they're called, but they exist. A wife? Well, okay, sure. You can come over and hug me right now if you want. For On the Bench, I'm Brendan Sinone. This has been another fun episode. Bye, guys. Wait. What? What, Zach? One, one more thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> um yeah i forgot to do this during the recruiting segment but i was just gonna drop a, a new name uh for the visitor list so you had to listen all the way zach, to zach you had one Pod job through all wait is it still recording yeah it's oh yeah we're recording. going okay cool yeah so through all you know through all the rubbish that we were talking about you you guys get rewarded um defensive back jeremiah england the younger cousin of derwin james let's go that he will be on campus on march 5th out of lake wales florida so there's your little uh, post podcast scoop. Wow, guys, you're sticking the landing if I've ever seen it. You get Thank rewarded God. for hanging on and listening to this awful, awful episode of On the Bay. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.